0: Welcome to Luthier's Tale. I'm Ben Liggett, Luthier and owner of Liggett Guitars. Every week I interview someone that is passionate about their craft. This week I'm speaking with Jesus Ramirez, owner of Rock Ali Sounds. Jesus is a friend I've known for a long time. He's a sound engineer, photographer, and videographer. He's toured with titans of the music scene in Mexico. It was basically a heavy metal prodigy when we were teenagers. Follow him on Facebook and Instagram at Sounds. We had a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to Luthier's Tale. I am here today with an old buddy of mine, Jesus Ramirez. What's up, dude?
1: What's happening?
0: Man, it's good to have you here. Uh... For the audience, Jesus and I have known each other a really, really long time, like, let's say since I was in ninth grade and he was in 10th, I think. Yeah,
1: something like that. Uh, Yeah, man, like, thank you so much for having me, bro. Like, this is, uh, I'm super excited uh, to be here with you, uh, you know, working on Little project that we got going on and everything. Yeah, and, yeah. Let's talk just,
0: about that project.
1: And then just catching up, you know, man. You're you're doing so awesome with your guitars and uh just getting your name out there. You recently had that awesome uh exposition with uh is that what it's called?
0: E- exhibition. Exhibition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my
1: bad. Uh so good. We're Thank on the you. paper and man, it was we're just really really happy for you that's not an easy thing to do you know? well thank
0: you buddy thank you you know i always feel like i'm out in the middle of the ocean uh kicking my feet trying to keep my head above water <laughs> no matter what i'm doing so thank you uh,
1: that's that's uh but yeah part let's talk game. about this
0: project we're doing man
1: well man for sure like just like like i mentioned i saw that you're really you're really working towards you know getting getting your guitars out there and getting getting to where it becomes you know one of the one of the names you know, and trying. I recently uh, uh, that's why I reached out and doing videography and, and re- music recording and all of that. I'm like, man, we. I, I think I could help this guy somehow, some way, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I need know, all the help I can get. <laughs> I'll tell you that.
1: And, and honestly, just you know, being able to capture you because i mean the 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 story essentially is is about you because you are the artist you know you are the the luthier uh and and i think that uh telling that story will definitely uh intrigue people you know and then and then your art will be showcased and it just would your shop that whole that whole subject is just appealing visually you know yeah, to be when, on video. And, and when
0: Jesus came in the shop, he was like, "Man, all this is like, it's like a, it's uh, just like a visual orgasm." <laughs> <laughs> he, and I, I, look around and I'm like, "Oh man, there's like, the walls are bare and just like look like crap." And he he sees like colors and shapes and like angles, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you got you got like, just just right there in that area, your work work tables, your work benches, uh, you got this wood that's like, okay, I've never seen shapes like that on wood before, and then you go and spray it with that finish and it's like it pops out and it's like, oh, I yeah. need to get that on video.
0: yeah, figuring
1: <laughs> and yeah. all and all the tools on your wall and it just I mean, yeah, the different colors that's that, that is a, a a visual orgasm, you know for for the project that we're doing. And, you know, we, we haven't really figured out exactly what the output's going to be. We're, we've been throwing documentary around. We've been throwing, you know, snippets around.
0: Yeah, clips. Yeah, we. I don't know exactly how it's going to form, but maybe it'll take multiple forms.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. Like today, what we just finished doing just a little bit ago, uh, we demoed, uh, what, what do you call that guitar? The abstract. Uh, the abstract. And it's a hollow body abstract. You know, I actually, uh, I didn't mention this while we were setting up for the podcast, but what you mentioned about how uh, uh, the body style, how we uh-huh. were inspired by Picasso. Oh, yeah. And, and, dude, like as soon as you said that, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, the sharp corners and the lines and, and, yeah, and yeah. some of the coloring. And that, I thought that was pretty cool, man. That was yeah. cool.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I originally called the the model the... Just Picasso. Yeah. And then like I was looking into it and evidently the estate of Picasso is like pretty litigious. Like they'll sue you (laughs) if you use the name. So I was like, I got to come up with another name. So abstract. And then I capitalized the T on the end of it because it's a quote T style guitar like a telly. Yeah. But uh, everyone, I know I named it wrong because everyone that sees it and reads it, they say abstract T. Hmm. And I, I don't. So, right. It's, it's definitely a, a an issue on my part of naming because sure. everyone
1: says it wrong. Yeah, man. But I, it, it's, I'm glad you said that on the video or what will be the demo video, uh, hmm. because it, it just it all made it made perfect sense to me after you said that. And I don't think you mentioned the. Uh, the uh, Picasso inspiration on the guitar when we talked about it a, a week or so ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I was playing with the shapes, like the, mm-hmm. the different rectangles and stuff. And then, um, and I always just thought, well, it looks like something Picasso kind of did like in his Cubist period, you know. Uh, and then, um, a buddy of mine was like, you know what that looks like? This Russian art movement from the 1910s. And I'm like, what? What? And he's like, when I think of it, I'll text it to you. And then he texts me, suprematism is what it is. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's like what I've been trying to do. And it was like a super simple form of something Picasso would do, huh. you know. Wow. And, uh, and it just works really good for inlay. Yeah. You know, if I've got simple shapes and i can place them i just like move things around until they look right with yeah. the with that overall outer silhouette and then just so just like, like it's good
1: is is there certain types of like curvatures and degrees where the inlays just get harder for the machine to do or
0: no no not no? really um, especially with right angles and stuff yeah it seems to be pretty easy and if if a machine can't um, make a perfect square corner i can come in with a chisel and make mm-hmm. it a square corner so that part is pretty
1: easy damn wow that's awesome dude no but definitely excited i yeah, we w- our goal is to uh shoot at least something at least once a week for yep. about a month yep and then uh we'll see come what comes out of that after a month and if we feel like it's not enough we'll we'll just keep doing it uh, you know, a whole guitar build probably is a little bit out of the question just because you know how, like we talked, there's so many stages to it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, it'd be a pain in the neck. Yeah, it'd, it'd be so like I'd have to wait for each step for you to come by, you know.
1: <laughs> Today, we're filming the part X, Y, and Z glued to yeah. part whatever. It's like, okay, that's probably <laughs> cool for you, but you know, <laughs> I don't know how engaging that would be for an audience, but yeah, man. And then we just recorded you singing, too?
0: Yeah, that wasn't really planned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> man. Jesus
0: sweet-talked me. He was like, man, you've got pipes. And I'm like, hush, no. Hey, man, <laughs> I,
1: I was not. I feel like I wasn't lying to you because you heard that little bit of that mix. Man, I should have exported a little bit of it so we could play it for the audience.
0: Oh, God, let's not.
1: So is that like a, like a, one of your... Things you keep on down low that you sing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, don't put that out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's kind of like hearing yourself talk. It's kind of cringy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember. It took me a while to get used to that. Because, like, I don't know, I think your inner voice sounds a certain way to you, and then when you hear a recording of it, it's, like, completely different. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, it's hard to even, like, listen to what you're saying. And not judge it like who is this idiot? Like, <laughs> when I hear myself
1: talk, it's just bad, dude. Like, over analyzing this is super off subject, but I just remember it talking about this. It's this uh, I was reading a thing on uh, inner dialogue, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> I, honestly, I think I'm sure it was some kind of psychologist, psychiatrist that wrote the piece or whatever. And I truly feel like they're just looking way too much into it uh-huh. b- because of the way he broke it down. But, like, what I got out of it at the end is that they really don't understand what the like evolutionary or biological reasoning behind inner dialogue is. Yeah. And it's like, what? Well, it's just you talking to yourself in your mind, you know? Yeah. And, 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 like, apparently, yes, the majority of people do it.
0: But some people don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's like a... I've heard this. Yeah, like a 20 or 30% of individuals that they took polls from either weren't sure if they do it <laughs> or they straight up say no. I, and they hear you saying that it might be out of, like, fear of being thought of as crazy or schizophrenic. Like you suppress your inner thoughts or something? Yeah, like... Kind of dark, you know, yeah. inner stuff. Do you have to deny that you have inner dialogue? I don't know. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, and then like, and I just mentioned schizophrenics. They weren't included in that because, unlike, uh, what a non schizophrenic. I, I don't want to say normal because what yeah. is that, right? But a non schizophrenic, mm-hmm. you know, knows that it's inner dialogue. Schizophrenics truly believe it's like. The devil, or like another, yeah, yeah, it's trippy anyway. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, well, I no, 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 mentioned that,
0: <laughs> yeah. Welcome departure, man. Uh, I
1: definitely have an inner dialogue, don't you? Uh, I have an inner dialogue right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. like all the time, I, yeah, I don't know. And then I had to kind of take a step back and just kind of. Uh, fully accept that, yeah, that psychologist thought of it a little too much because, like, it, the more I was thinking, you know, like uh, along his lines of w- the way he broke it down, how deep he went with it, then I start thinking, well, holy shit, maybe some of, some of these thoughts that I have, you know, like freaking yeah, out. Yeah. It's like no, no, it's, it yeah. can't be. It's just you talking to yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah, but
0: yeah, I feel like. <clears throat> Man, it's really hard. Like, so you're a very creative guy, and for the audience, you were a machinist at one point. You even took um, um, because we both went to Tulsa Tech, yeah, which is a really good program. I I always talk up Tulsa Tech, yeah. Um, But you did like the what was it, microwave and
1: refrigerator repair as well? Major appliance repair. That's right. That's the class that I took while i was in uh in, in high school
0: and then you were a machinist and then you're a draftsman as well
1: yeah i got <clears throat> actually i got all of my that's like my nine to five that's what i've been doing for going on about 10 years now uh i'm a draftsman mm-hmm. and i went to tulsa tech for the for the schooling for that and stuff nice uh, but yeah just like you uh just super grateful that that program yeah yeah
0: it was always really nice too like they always had everything you needed Mm -hmm. like lots of machinery to essentially play on
1: like lathes and stuff that man it's so fun well and and like what another thing that i just really love about where life took me as far as what i do for living and whatnot is uh because of this experience i had you know, going to tech, seeking a technical career, if you will. Yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest of a whole bunch of cousins, you know, because my dad had a lot of brothers and sisters. And, <clears throat> you know, in my culture, I, I was born in Mexico, uh, you know, it's still very much the, you got to go to college, you got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, uh, because of the way, you know, I turned out, if you will. Uh, I've been able to talk to some of my cousins that kind of were on the fence about, you know, continuing college or not, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I break it down pretty simply, I like to think. It's like, well, how did you do in high school? You know, were you straight A's? Yeah. It's like, if they say yes, it's like, well, cool, you know. Definitely think about college. Right. But, like,
0: are you a studious (laughs) person? Like, what if your affinity was for schoolwork, then for sure continue that education.
1: Definitely.
0: But it's like there's so many other avenues to like make a living and like have a rewarding career. Exactly. It's like I always use the example of plumbers. Yeah. Dude, plumbers, they do great. Yeah. They're always in demand. There's not a. There's not a sh- uh, or there is a shortage of plumbers, yeah, th- and there's never a shortage of work for them to do.
1: Exactly, like uh, and, and same I mean, with HVAC, HVAC welders, you know, masons, any kind of like, yeah, sure, that's I mean, it's, it's hard work, but at the end of the day, you know, let, let's 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 switch over to the cousins that were like, well, you know.
0: Yeah, you're on the fence. <laughs>
1: I'm I, definitely on the fence. And, yes, I did struggle <laughs> with high school. Yeah. And it's like, listen, dude. Dude, you probably don't want to go to college because, yeah. you know, if you struggled with high school, and it might not be the case, but in most cases it probably is. And, then, and yeah, I've had a few cousins that, uh, like, I got one that seeked, uh, like, the IT kind of, which you can go to college for that. But, it, I mean, most IT professionals will tell you that it's all in the certifications you know i see i had another one she ended up being some kind of something in the medical field she also went to tech and it's like yeah you can have a damn make a really good living learning a technical career
0: yeah but you were always a a super creative person otherwise you were in a band super early in school um, called uh, epochal which is like a I was heavy metal, kind of like metalcore almost. Yeah. Would yeah. you say, like in that style, that's kind of what all heavy metal kind of was at the time. I don't think anyone called it metalcore at the time, did they?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, like, what was huge back? I mean, you know, you, you already had the slipknot. You already had the was, new metal.
0: Was it Was that what it was
1: big? Yeah. But you guys weren't
0: new metal. You no. guys were like the next thing. Yeah. I feel like... So, so. Jesus was a drummer in a band of, like, children that were, like, amazingly talented. Like, everyone was like, holy crap. I remember we had a talent show, and Epaco played the talent show one year, and it, like, they, it, they, like, blew the doors off the place. It was crazy. It was like kids playing, like, Ibanezes with half yeah. stacks and stuff. But, I mean, just, like legit metal like everyone could play their instruments really
1: well and they were all super tight it was awesome it it you know like definitely the the more memorable of years of 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 my younger life was uh was definitely that man because you know i it was probably like i don't know probably like 2002 i don't can't remember how old i was uh my parents finally listened to me about getting a guitar and then they got my brother the drum set and then my brother ended up like not playing the drum set and i just kind of would jump between both of them and i actually uh because of and i wasn't an apocalypse yet there's a another guy that played the drums but uh clay weber he was a singer lead guitarist of the band we lived in the same neighborhood and uh he he turned me to uh, acid. It was a Daw, a very early Daw made by. I remember Sony. that, yeah. And he turned me to that, and then I started, you know, making my own stuff at like thirteen or whatever, twelve when I was. And <clears throat> once the the drummer, I guess, decided to quit or leave the band or whatever, they they that's when they invited me to play, and I because they were already like pretty well known in the town and they were already playing little shows and stuff
0: at like the Pink Eye which was like a, a old school v- venue yeah. like heavy metal venue in Tulsa
1: and then they invited me and and dude I you know I don't I li- I like to think that I was still very much green on the drum set but getting thrown in the den with those lions man it really got my chops up fast man
0: yeah I remember like there was a, a summer where you were playing drums really seriously, and you dropped so much weight. Yeah, dude. like you came back the next year just like, like bam, just like yeah. slimmed up.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, and and to this day, I still consider drums like my first love because of that. Because I was thrown into that, and just like I actually put the guitar to the side. But I'd been playing guitar for probably two years before that, and you know, uh, but. <clears throat> Yeah, and and the craziest thing that happened to us, we were probably around seventeen to nineteen because they were a little bit older than me. We were definitely like one of the the go to bands around that time in Tulsa. We were like on all the local shows. We were we got to uh, uh, play with you know some of the bigger acts coming through like at Curly's back in the day. Yeah, and I'll never forget this man. We were that young, and some guy approached us one day. And uh, I forget what band it was that we were playing. It was a big band. But he came up to, he walked up to Clay, actually, and and told him, hey, you guys rock, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Can you guys come out to somewhere in LA? I forget. It's like, but you have to like try to make it there. Latest, like the that following Thursday, because the show was like on a Thursday. Oh my gosh! I'll never forget this. And like we were so young and just so dumb that we were like, okay, that yeah, sure. You know, we said yeah, whatever, cool. And dude, you we won't believe this, but the guy handed us a, a, like a business card, right? And it was Roadrunner Records, which back then, dude, Roadrunner Records like. They were just kind of getting started maybe like yeah. or maybe we maybe they'd been around we just never heard of them but it was l- legit Roadrunner records <laughs> so check what happened uh like the next day or whatever you know on our drive back because back then charles the bass player was the only one that drove he was the oldest dropped us off at our house and we we're like hey guys we, you know make sure you tell your mom and dad you know that we need to go to California, <laughs> and dude, I you know I told my parents, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, no, <laughs> did you do your homework?" <laughs> and we were so uh, at least me, I was so young that and dumb that I was like, oh, "Well, there's that," you know, and we just never went. Oh man! We just, and and a few years ago, uh, I, I I ran into Clay Buckles. Which was the rhythm guitar player. And we talked about that. He actually brought it up. And I was like, yeah, dude. And it was one of those imagine if it would have been like, yeah. what would have happened? Because, like, yeah, like you were saying, uh, I still have some recordings of, the, of our stuff. The,
0: oh, dude, I got to hear some of that.
1: Yeah. And, it, it, and, and, you know, being around music all these years and stuff and going back and listening to that stuff, it's like, damn, we were really, we were really on to something, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh,
0: I I heard a recording that was like on an old computer that a friend of ours had. Yeah. um, At least in the last, I don't know, eight years or so. Yeah. So it was like way after the fact, but I was like, damn, this still rocks. Uh, Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, but uh, so now you're doing the videography. You're doing videography, music, production, and recording uh, like at a studio level and... Um, um, as well as like live recording of bands. Yeah, man. Like you, I, you were playing me a recording of uh, uh, a mariachi band that yeah. you recorded live, and you were playing it in your car through your sound system. It sounded like a studio recording. <laughs> it was crazy.
1: Yeah, man. I uh, that was that was the latest uh, large scale because it was a full album, a full live album. Yeah. And it was a a local band from here in Tulsa, and they play in the uh, the regional Mexican genre, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, right now uh, what's really popular in that specific genre is uh, live recordings. Uh, So, like, we made the plan to do it. They got a gig. I think it was, like, a quinceañera or a wedding. I can't remember. And they rented a PA, I, I, you know, I did the sound for the PA, and then just ran uh, completely separate channel channels to my uh, sound card, and then just took the entire live recording, chose the best songs. I think they played like the four-hour set or something like that. Oh my goodness! And then an album came out of that. Uh, the room definitely helped. It was it was a big old venue, and yeah, it it, it turned out good. Uh, so, like as far as the studio goes, I I've been doing. I've had my studio for about three years now. Yeah, I was doing the bedroom studio for probably another man, probably since like 2011. After I got out of that touring band that I was in, the the Mexican band.
0: Yeah, we got to talk about that too, by the way.
1: And the whole the video and photo just kind of stemmed out of you know I'm already doing these these recordings for these kids, Mm -hmm. and I'm you know I'm helping them out with graphic design and stuff. And then I had the, this cheap camera and I, I set it up one day and I did a live performance video with some friends and it turned out pretty good. But the audio was was killer. It was just the camera that needed some work. Yeah. So from that was when I decided to just get a little bit better camera and then I just, you know, it, the rest was history, as yeah. they say. Next now I'm doing know, a lot more work with video and photo than I am at the studio. Yeah. 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 It's
0: crazy how it just opens up a a rabbit hole. It's like every craft that you try, you could do just that and and like never truly master it. Yeah. I, mean, I mean you can get pretty damn good where people would say you've you've mastered it, but you know what I mean? it yeah, never definitely. ends. there's always something to learn.
1: Well, and like i I, I don't want to sound uh, I don't even know how to what the word is, but like' <clears throat> I, I'm, in, I'm in these groups right on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. photography groups yeah and like oh man i honestly if you're a person listening to this you probably and and you're in groups of whatever craft it is that you're into you you probably can relate but they're those groups are just more toxic than anything else man yeah it's like some of the
0: luthier groups are like that too. yeah especially recently
1: you got a guy that probably got his camera yesterday Asking like the most basic questions, and people on there get—they're like trashing them. It's like, well, what do you expect, man? It's a group for beginners. Yeah, you know. And and I had to jump on there one day with this guy that was just like just bashing something, some some re- guy that just recently started photography, and like I had to just jump on there and tell him, listen, man. Like honestly, I I'm not trying to say I'm like a professional photographer or even post editor but like i i'm getting paid to do some work that i do now i've only been doing this for like not under two years like not not even a year and a half it's like man it's not that hard dude (laughs) (laughs) i I learned i learned photography kind of like as a selling point you know if you record a song or two with me i'll throw in some you know portraits in the video you know yeah yeah But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I I, I know it all in photography, but it's like mainly it was because of that guy's attitude, man. It's like we're here to help each other, you know, not to.
0: Yeah, lately in in one of my luthier groups, someone will show something they're working on and it looks like, you know, not the best. Maybe the glue joint isn't super clean or something like that. Instead of being constructive and be like, hey, I noticed your glue joint's a little like, shoddy you could do this and this to help with that you know just a suggestion yeah. they don't do that they go that glue joint looks like shit <laughs> you know and they're just like just like flippant and shitty with with everyone and it's like yeah. how are, how is a beginner supposed to take that right it's just kind of
1: might kind as of, well quit now <laughs> yeah what
0: the heck no nah, man but but yeah you should you know always be supportive and Try to be helpful. I always try to be because I always need something from somebody or some kind of advice. And,
1: yeah, yeah. you know, it
0: always comes around.
1: Like, I don't know how many people that would come to me for recording and stuff. Uh, you know, they, they'd slowly just be like, it's almost like, it's specifically one guy. Uh, he's a killer bass player. He plays norteño music. Mm-hmm and he's a he's also a songwriter and just like i think he through the course of like probably a whole album probably 10 songs paying me to record his 10 songs he slowly just while he was recording he would he would ask me you know what's up with the monitors you know what kind of mic oh what is that program you it's like he slowly Learned the craft just by recording with me and now he has his own home studio yeah and it's like dude if I were of a different state of mind or you know the type that like no I'm not gonna tell you you know that that, that doesn't benefit anybody no you know
0: like and it doesn't like like keeping someone else out of the craft yeah ultimately really doesn't benefit you
1: no it doesn't it's like now he's it's not like he's he's taking away work for me you know like it
0: it's it's like famine behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, oh, so we got to talk about the um, the the other band you were in.
1: Oh man, yeah. What was so, the name of it? So I I I played with a well established. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've been around since like like the late '80s. Uh, it's a Mexican band. They're called uh, Lamento Show de Durango uh so you know we were talking about apocle and high school days yeah so when that was over i mean i played in a plethora of other bands you know after that still on drums still in the under the rock genres
0: the company was another big metal band in town
1: uh and then just one day i was like because i played in band like from sixth grade all the way to like Tenth grade, junior, sophomore year in high school, and I played the the the, the tuba, oh, you know, the yeah. sousaphone. So the tuba and the sousaphone is a is an instrument that's heavily used in several different styles of Mexican music. <laughs> Sorry, edit that out. <laughs> uh, no, did did John
0: Philip Sousa invent the sousaphone? as a smaller version of the tuba that was easier to carry. Is that right, or am I messing so that up? So,
1: if, if I understand correctly, uh, the concert tuba existed already, and uh-huh. what John Philip Sousa did was he he modified it to where you could hang it on you for marching. Ah. Yeah. I see. So that's how the, the Sousa phone came, I think. Okay. I'm correct. I knew it was something like that. I'm wrong.
0: I, I went down a John Philip Sousa Wikipedia rabbit hole one night. Yeah, and, and just you know, like always, fragments of the, <laughs> of the
1: of the facts remain. Yeah, man, and like, dude, I love hate thing definitely. I mean, playing the, the Sousaphone. Yeah, at the end of the day, it, it was. I learned theory from being in band. I, I actually enjoyed playing uh, the summer seasons because I would switch to the drum line during uh. the summer seasons in marching. And I would play the tuba in concert, uh, so you know it, it's not like I didn't ever want to go back to playing the tuba. Yeah. But whenever I, I, my it piqued my interest to join one of these bands playing the sousaphone, one of these Mexican bands playing the sousaphone. Uh, I was, I joined a startup project with with this dude in, in, in Tulsa. Uh, his name is Juvenal. And he had already recorded like one or two albums as a solo artist, like in California or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was pretty well known as a solo artist. And I just happened to somehow get thrown into uh, the mix when he was wanting to start his own like full band project with him as the front man.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, you know, I, I if I remember correctly, I think I was going to play the clarinet.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Because like wind instruments uh, are, are a ve- it's called uh, banda sinaloense. It's a form of wind ensemble type music okay. that stems out of uh, the state of Sinaloa in Mexico. And it's comprised of like clarinets, trumpets, and valve trombones, oh. uh, a sousaphone player, uh, two E-flat horn uh Players like, like the French horn kind of thing. They're similar to a French horn, but they look like a baby uh concert tuba. Oh and, oh. and they usually play like kind of like you're uh, I've we've talked uh quite a bit about bajo quintos. Yeah. So the bajo quinto in polka music, in polka style Mexican music, is like the answer to the bass on on the downbeats. So the bass is dun 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 don. The Bajo Quinto will answer. That's what the Bajo Quinto. Well, the E-flat horns in this style of wind music uh, kind of plays the part of the Bajo Quinto. It answers the bass notes. I see. It polkas.
0: The bass notes of the sousaphone.
1: Yeah. So that's the type of band that Juvenal was trying to start. Yeah. A a wind band. But anyway.
0: That's very interesting.
1: He he had a, a, a tuba player. But, I mean, honestly, I don't think the kid had ever even seen a tuba before. <laughs> so I kind of took it and I, you know, threw it on. I'm like, I can blow a few notes. And I think we did that for about two years, under two years. Whoa. And yeah. then from a YouTube video was how this band, which they were out of Chicago, uh, saw me. And <clears throat> they actually got a hold of me somehow. Whoa. And uh, they're like, yeah, we want to try you out. You know, We'll fly you to chicago and then so i did that and then they 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 signed me they gave me a three-year type thing whoa Whoa.
0: and And, you toured
1: yeah man like dude us mexicans we're everywhere dude (laughs) probably the trippiest place i played at was like somewhere out in like canada like in some just little town really yeah and like
0: and a big turnout
1: yeah 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 i uh so like in the Mexican genre, just like in any genre, there's, well, there's many genres under what you would call Mexican music, if you will. But uh, it, it's, they, there's the big stars, you know, big headliner type artists. Uh, the band that I was in, they had their heyday kind of like in the late 90s. Like I mentioned, there's they're still there were they, they their heyday was so big that like they're still able to survive, you know, constantly touring and yeah, stuff and they yeah. get turnout. But they we were rarely ever like the headlining artist on a bill. I see. So I got to share stage with like some like the biggest names in that style of music. Yeah. Like in the mariachi and the norteño and the, all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all definitely all 50 states, all major cities, all of Mexico, uh, you know, the northern countries of South America, wow. Canada, never did, like, Europe or anything. They have, but not in the three years that I was there. Wow. And, and And honestly, like, okay, like, the first year, it was, like, dream come true, you know? That's, like, as a musician, that's, like, I guess if you will what you aim for right jump on a touring band and play the world right yeah and it was awesome it was just that like that first year second year not so much not so much uh it it, uh, was
0: the traveling wearing on you yeah
1: yeah it uh
0: that's the biggest thing right
1: the traveling and the uh a lot of other things (laughs) leave it (laughs) and then that third year man i was ready to just like man i can't wait for this contract to be over and the, i mean a renewal was on the table and everything i could and the money honestly the money was decent man yeah like i i got paid weekly i got paid like like 1500 a week
0: oh damn and that's
1: just like for me because they covered you know stay and food and everything
0: so the whole time you're touring you're not yeah, spending not. money exactly Wow.
1: Uh they you know they gave you like per diems too and well not yeah. always, depending on the season. If it was high season they would. Yeah. <clears throat> and obviously, you know, they paid for the plane or the bus, you know, you didn't have to spend any of your money there. Uh
0: did you ever get hotel rooms or was it always on the bus?
1: No, yeah. I mean oh every night there was a hotel room. Oh damn, yeah. That's great. Yeah, so I mean there was and I was still in my early twenties, nah mid twenties. Uh, and uh, definitely still had a plenty of fight left in me as far as partying. So yeah, all of that happened, right? Of and,
0: course, you're on tour with a big band.
1: Yeah, man, and party like, it up. <laughs> and I, I just was just so I could not believe that I, I how bad that's what I wanted to do, but at the same time I came to the realization that not really. Yeah. So I could not wait to just get back home and you know i ended up once it was all over you know i ended up that's when i started drafting school and just wanted to do something you know yeah but i still continued with i started up uh, a, a local band right after that still in the mexican genre is playing the sousaphone yeah and uh, <clears throat> it went real well i mean it got to the point where we were gonna also go get signed and all that that's a whole nother different story the industry music industry this is blech. glad we didn't do that <laughs> and then after that project man that's when I kind of lost the that that itch for the stage man and I haven't stepped on the stage and the last time I stepped on stage was I started a low uh a, uh, 90s cover band like 90s rock oh yeah and like the only reason i did that is because i finally was able to save enough money to get like my dream guitar that's the only reason i started that
0: <laughs> <band>. <laughs> just to play your guitar on stage
1: yeah man but what, yeah. what
0: kind of what kind of songs did you play with 90s songs
1: dude we played you know like the weezer hits <laughs> we yes played...
0: i was gonna add that was, that was gonna be the first yeah. one i threw
1: out some red hot Chili Peppers. We played some Silver Chair. We even played some, like, newer modern rock, like, uh, those bands. <laughs> can't <laughs> even remember them right now. But, yeah, it, it was really fun and everything. And, like, uh, even, even, like, the local scene, man, the way they they they, they just, the, the way they run, like, because we were doing the bars and all that. And it's just like,
0: man, Wait, I'm too start-
1: old for this, man, you know? Yeah. You like,
0: certainly—it's hard to make money, yeah. l- at least here in Tulsa.
1: Yeah, definitely. My my years of doing it for the music, for the love of the music, were definitely uh, burnt away a long time ago. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I never played any big shows or anything, but like if I ever had a performance, I had this like eating anxiety the entire day until the show, and then like I would play the show, I would get through it. But, like, not really enjoying it at any point. And then, as soon as it was done, then I felt good. Yeah. But it was like, I, I didn't like the whole day. I didn't like performing. I didn't like loading. I didn't like unloading. When yeah. everything was done, then I was like, ah, like I felt like I got through something.
1: Definitely.
0: But it's like, I just knew, like, this is not something I'd want to pursue. I, be, <laughs> I would be eaten up away by, like, I don't know, anxiety dude like did you have any of that like day of like knowing you had some big show
1: no man it, well yeah definitely like at, at the beginning yeah. like uh just in my younger years but that was another thing that I, that that kind of disillusioned me as well was like like i've been doing this so long that like I don't even get nervous anymore, or you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's like the little things like that that were st- starting to get to me. Another thing I can say is, like, so after I got done with the touring band, went to school and all that, I had a girlfriend and, you know, decided to get married. We got married and all that. <clears throat> and then, like, because of so many years of playing music, like, she still wanted to go out and dance and stuff like that, have yeah. a dance night. And it's like that caused a little bit of issues with our marriage because, I mean, I just couldn't do it, man. I just the, the thought of going and walking into a club, the lights, the loud music, dark uh-huh. environment, it gave me that feeling that most people get when they wake up in the morning and have to go to work. <laughs> yeah, do <dude>. it.
0: <laughs> and it's like the, that's the last thing you want to do on a Friday night to unwind. Yeah,
1: man. And... Yeah, honestly, like, it,
0: like going to an office building or something, yeah. And for, I, for that most that wasn't
1: her fault, you know, that's all me, that was my. So it's like kind of had to get yeah. over it, man.
0: yeah. It, what are some bands that people can search for? Uh, you mentioned a couple of genres, one was Nortanium music, what,
1: yeah. What? Okay, so like if people are interested to listen to like the wind bands.
0: Yeah, like what What are some like good entry points?
1: Yeah, so like Banda, B-A-N-D-A, uh-huh. L-E-L, Recodo, R-E-C-O-D-O. That's like the oldest, the most well-known band of that genre. Okay. For Norteño, probably Los Tigres del Norte, which, I mean... Probably the craziest thing they've done that was recognized worldwide was the big Fol- Folsom Prison show they did. Oh, really? They played at Folsom Prison. They've been around forever, dude, forever. Uh, that's for Norteno. Those two right there will give you nice. probably all you need to know, man.
0: Oh, so on that same topic, the other day we were discussing old bands, and uh, I brought up Aphrodite's Child. Yeah. And it reminded you of another band. What was that one? Yeah, Los
1: Angeles from? Negros, the Black Angels, a Chilean band. Uh, yeah, that that's like a, a crazy genre from like the late 60s that stemmed out of Chile.
0: Yeah, and it's like romantic kind of. Yeah, it's like. And, and like kind of dark at the same time, like sad, like super
1: like, if you read about the genre, like, on Wikipedia or something, it's referred to as, like, uh, the, the romantic psychedelic or psychedelic romantic, something that like that. That makes sense. That's, that's what yeah. it sounds
0: like. It sounds like 70s psych yeah. mixed with, like, what I would imagine, like, a, a Spanish soap opera music yeah. to be like. Exactly. And, and Aphrodite's Child... Like, you were just describing it, and I was like, oh, it's like Aphrodite's Child, and I yeah. played it for you, and you're like, this sounds like the other band, and we were just going off about it.
1: Yeah, it tripped me out how much Aphrodite's Child sounded like the Black Angels, and then I showed you the Black Angels, and you're like, holy, you're not yeah. lying, man.
0: And then we were talking about um, uh, uh, Chicano Batman.
1: Yeah, that's a straight up just, I mean, they, I mean, the guy, one of the, I talked to one of the guitarists one day, and he's like, Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's that was our that's that was our aim to sound exactly like them.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's like an indie rock version of that. Yeah, yeah, it, they're like a modern indie yeah, rock band. Modern. Yeah, super like hip kind of dudes. Uh, uh, they got they, a big uh, presence online and stuff, cool videos and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, Chicano Batman, check that out too.
1: They did that big old. Uh, I think what like really put them on the map was that Johnny Walker commercial they did. I don't know if you ever seen. Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, they did a Johnny Walker commercial playing. A, what's that song by Guthrie? Uh,
0: this land. Yeah, that one. Oh, a
1: the cover of that. Nice. For for yeah. Uh, there's,
0: yeah, there's a poster of Woody Guthrie behind me.
1: Uh, it's it's just like a wood uh, a Johnny Walker commercial and they're like in suits walking around singing that song and that's the commercial it just they just blew up after that that's awesome they do their live show oh, man they're impressive super impressive like they you know and, and then something about that that tremelowy church organ sound yeah it, it's so loud too or at least it was whenever I went to see them. it was like, like Where did you indoor, see them at? in uh at, at OKC. Oh, okay uh, at um, it's, it's like an old theater, yeah, kinda. looks like an old theater, but yeah, man, yeah, so many genres and and different languages and different cultures that's like you'd never hear about, but oh, I'm always glad i'm I'm always up for like. Someone from a different culture, you know. Yeah, I want, I, that's actually one of the first questions I ask when I meet someone like that's like, dude, what's the music in your? So, on people? the same
0: topic, I have another band that's a uh, totally different culture that's just like sounds like seventy psych, and that's the Kun Narin Band, and it's K H U N N A R I N, I believe. And evidently, I think it's in um, the Philippines. or or somewhere near there but there's like this type of um, band that's like you'd hire for a party like an outdoor party and they all wear vests like it looks like a crossing guard vest but they'll just be like red and and every and they'll play like marching band snares and then um, someone will be pushing a cart that just has like speaker horns coming off of it what and then the the lead guy koon narin is playing what's called an electric fin and it's like a four string electric guitar that has like the interval frets like they don't have yeah. all the fret almost like a dulcimer yeah and he's sitting there playing like this super reverbed out with tons of <laughs> delay just like the sickest 70s <laughs> riffs yeah. on like this philippine or I again, I, I'm probably saying the wrong country they're from, so forgive me, but super badass band. Yeah. And uh, this one guy was traveling, like he was like a, a music writer, and he, he ran into this band and was like, Oh my god, I have to record you guys! and he recorded them and then like just released the music, and they just became like hmm. huge.
1: What's her name again?
0: Kun Narin, it, it's called the Kun Narin Electric Finn Band. P H I N, Finn
1: I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, super Sounds crazy,
0: super dope. Sorry. Dude, why are
1: you gonna like venture <laughs> into like one of these exotic stringed instruments like that, man?
0: Man, it, you know if I get some client that wants uh, some yeah. some weird thing,
1: dude, I'm gonna have to see if see if you can make me a quinto, man.
0: Yeah, we always talked about the bajo quinto, but see when I see the bajo quinto, I see like. I'd end up want, wanting to make it sound like a, a finger-style acoustic or something. It wouldn't be like a traditional yeah. Baja Quito.
1: Well, okay. And on the same note. Uh, I feel like I wouldn't do
0: justice to the original form. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, here's the thing. So, okay. Uh, right now, like literally right now, the, the biggest, most popular genre in, in the Mexican genres, is a is a, something they call sierreno. Okay. And it's usually composed of a twelve-string uh, acoustic guitarist that plays like lead, uh-huh. and a rhythm six-string guitarist playing you know rhythm obviously, and then either a a contrabass with like nylon strings, yeah, which adds to the snap. Or just straight-up bass, electric bass player. Yeah. Or uh, an acoustic bass player, but plays it like if it were a contrabass. Like they they slap, not even slap, they just pull the string. Pluck, yeah. Yeah, they pluck it, and it's a terrible sound, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But where I was going with this is like, Every single band that I've seen, and it's normally like real young kids, like it's a big genre in the younger crowd, like you know, pre teens to early 20s. Sure, like I have not to this day, I haven't seen any of those bands, local or already at a higher level, play anything other than Takamini. What's up with that?
0: Takamini, really?
1: Yeah, they every single one of them plays Takamini. I don't know, and it's like I mentioned vendor or I mentioned because they all make their own version of twelve string guitars, right? And these are all acoustic guitars. They're all acoustic. Yeah. It's always an acoustic electric because you know, yeah. they plug them in through so they can go through the PA. But Weird. it's like, I, I mean, I've played my fair share of guitars. And I'm not trying to say that Takamini acoustic guitars are bad or anything. Yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah,
0: but there's a lot that aren't great. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, and 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 like not only do they all play specifically the twelve string players, the lead players. Not only do they all play the Takamine twelve string, but they all play the JJ model. It's like the JJ model. Okay. And it's like not even like the their badass twelve string model
0: maybe it's just because the nature of them being young bands and they can't afford
1: no no i'm talking even like the ones on the oh yeah they do too you know like
0: maybe it's just one of those things you know certain genres they get their thing
1: this genre became big after and it's not like this kid invented the genre or anything it's actually an old genre of music it's like a a, a, what's it called again the sireno i think it stemmed from like just village people up in the mountains that just played acoustically and they play at parties and stuff, but it's been around forever, at least the eighties from what I can so like remember. the
0: bluegrass version of kind of. Yeah. 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 Okay, um,
1: but like around 2015, 2018 around there, this really young kid, uh, his name was Ariel Camacho. He, he just blew up with that style of music. But actually, instead of any sort of bass, string bass, he actually had a tuba player. That was mm. the difference. And right at his peak, when he was like known, hardcore known, he died. Oh. He died in a car wreck. Like he he was leaving a uh, a show, big show that he had, dang. And he was kind of boozed up, and it, this was in Mexico, and uh, going somewhere. He died. He, he wrecked.
0: Dang. Tragic.
1: And it's like <clears throat> it's after his death that you saw all these kids that looked up to him. Yeah. Start to pick up the guitar and stuff. He played Takamini.
0: Oh, so, yeah, that's you probably know? it.
1: Oh, have, did you ever, have you ever heard of uh, I'm sure you have Breaking Bad? Yeah. The show Breaking Bad. Okay. Sure. So do you remember the episode where it starts with a Mexican band with guitars I think and they're playing so. a song? Well, that band, they're actually called uh, Los Cuates de Sinaloa. Oh. And they're also that same style. They have act- they were actually famous before this kid. Wow. And they got on that world stage because of uh, of, of Breaking Bad. Oh, damn. And that song that they sing is actually like a corrido. A corrido is like a type of song. Uh, it's pretty much like the, the Mexican version of like gangster rap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it talks about like, you know the ins and outs of being in that lifestyle of narco and drugs and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the song's about. It's about Heisenberg and the the blue magic or whatever oh, I, it was I, called. Oh,
0: I definitely remember it now. Yeah. Because, yeah, they subtitled it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it was subtitled. Wow. And
1: see, and if you notice, they're playing tacominis. Yeah. So the Takamini thing was a thing even before this kid, now that I remember.
0: So that, you know, and it could be just because the JJ the Takamini JJ isn't like your ideal tone, and maybe yeah. it's not a good tone, you know, uh yeah. subjectively or whatever. You because the classic songs sound like that, yeah. That's what everyone wants to emulate. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like uh when all the the greatest rock and roll hits are on vinyl. Yeah. It's like everything starts sounding clean and crisp in the eighties and then like eventually you want to like make it, everything sound dirty again. Yeah, yeah. And like it, you know, that's when like the black keys come around and like the vocals sound like you're singing into like a 100-year-old microphone and yeah. It's all like blown out and
1: Yeah, actually now that you've mentioned that, I I wonder if it's that same it's it's that same tr- uh, thing with like mu- uh guitarists wanting that uh that Marshall what what's the Marshall that you you need to have like
0: the uh JCM JCM's. 100 or whatever I Yeah. I'm not a Marshall guy. If that's yeah. a bad amp, I'm sorry.
1: Or maybe that's why the Strat, you know, is the Strat because of the legacy of well, know, sure, all sure. the guitarists back in the day. They... Pretty
0: sure Buddy Holly had a Strat. Yeah. If
1: you Buddy know? Holly had a Strat. Yeah. By god.
0: Well, <laughs> it's it's funny how like I remember when when I was first starting guitar I was probably 15 or so um um around that time like you could find harmonies and silver tones like they were all just garbage like no one wanted them they were like a hundred bucks you know mm-hmm. and a lot of them were you know hard to play and needed work and stuff like that but then you saw bands like poor kids that started bands started playing like punk rock on Silver tones and shit, and like just rocking out. And then yeah. kids see that and all buy them up when they get turned 20. Yeah. And then now you go to a, a a pawn shop and there'll be silver tones for like $600. Wow. It's like, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's a great guitar, but.
1: Yeah, just because of its demand, I guess. Or yeah. What it I, became?
0: You know, the harmonies <laughs> back in the day were like. Or, or there were some that would come from like uh, Sears yeah. and um, um, I forget there was another, um, an early, early department store that would they would sell like banjos and guitars and, you know, they were cheap guitars for the time. Yeah. Not to mention 40, 50 years later. But yeah, but, yeah, and then people crazy. want it because that one record was recorded with that, and that's how it sounds. And you want to sound like that?
1: I almost want to like reach out to Talk of meaning and be like, "Hey, so uh, like, uh, thank God, I bet you guys are glad that Sierraño <laughs> came around, because dude, every kid, I mean, uh, uh, that's, the, really? that's the thing. And dude, like, I don't not to talk trash on the genre or anything, because it's cool. I like the genre, but that's that's like the, the the most of the bulk that I'm getting in the studio. An acoustic twelve string, an acoustic guitar, like because they want it recorded plugged in. Because when I mic it up, it doesn't give the sound yeah. like you were saying. Yeah, and dude, the piezo it, sound. Oh man, it's uh. <laughs> imagine having to mix hundreds of these songs uh. day in day out, and you don't oh, have dude.
0: single strings. You have double strings yeah piezo Ugh.
1: and it's not like they're clicky d- clacky it's that's all it is it like dream that clicky clacky sound like, <laughs> oh man
0: dude don't get me started on piezos i'm a i'm a piezo hater yeah i i really don't care for that sound when I go to a bar and there'll be a, a folk singer or whoever performing as soon as they plug the guitar in if i don't see like a sound hole pickup i'm usually like wait for it it's gonna sound like Click clack, and it sounds like every other guitar with a piezo pickup in it. I I really, I, I get like it cutting through the mix Mm -hmm. or something. It'll certainly do that if that's what you want to do. Cut through your ears, (laughs) dude. (laughs) I'm glad to hear you say that because I respect your uh, tonal
1: opinions. (laughs) Oh man, but yeah,
0: and and I know a lot of really talented musicians. and, and even luthiers that really like that sound.
1: To me, see, and this is what I try to tell all of these kids is like, let me mic the guitar and let me mix a song. And you, t- it's like that could be the defining thing that, you know, that essentially gets you to.
0: It makes you stand out. Yeah, stand yeah. out because and you get a
1: more natural guitar sound. It's like, nope, they want that scratchy ass. <laughs> Clicky clacky. That's it's the sound of that style, and it's like, oh goodness.
0: It reminds me of Corn's uh, bass player.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> man. Well, wait, I mean, I mean,
0: it's a sound.
1: It's a sound. It is the sound. It is what made them to this day. Corn is corn. Yeah, you couldn't
0: not have that.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's I think th- those bands that were able to become one of the immortals, if you will. It's because they had that thing where, like, if they played three seconds of a song, any song, without vocals, you would know it's them. Just that sound, you know, something about it. What's another band that has that?
0: This is like they're just them?
1: Yeah, that sound. Korn's definitely one of them because of the bass and at least when David Silveria was the drummer.
0: Mm, Man, that's a hard one. Pantera? Primus.
1: Primus, yeah.
0: That they're kind of their own sound.
1: Yeah. Like, we were talking about Pantera earlier and how all that. Was yeah,
0: they're definitely unique, yeah.
1: That super saturated g- g- g sound, early gent Yeah. on those solid state marshals.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> Didn't he play Crank?
1: Crank? Heads? Is that what it was?
0: I think so. Maybe yeah, he did I at one was. point. He played like Dean Flying Vs and yeah. something like that yeah
1: man, uh, oh, yeah, I remember what I was gonna say,, uh, just final thought on the whole uh, uh, what we were saying about Mexican genres and the guitars and all of them playing tacaminis. Yeah, there's definitely uh, brand loyalty in these in these bands because accordion accordions is another one. There's uh-huh. literally three brands of accordions that are used in these millions of mexican bands around mexico in the united states it's Gabonellis, uh dino buffetti's and coronas are
0: like, there i don't know uh,
1: brands of yeah uh, are dude, there a lot more brands than that and honestly like probably 70 percent of them are gabonellis. they they all use that i mean they're super expensive and yeah they're really well made but it's like yeah i'm sure there's got to be more <laughs> <laughs> accordion manufacturers, right? Just like there is guitar brands, right?
0: Well, I guess I don't know how big the accordion is. Uh, Maybe there's only
1: three brands of accordion. I don't nah, know. I I've seen I've seen more of them. But yeah, man, that that's like the. I I, I guess what I, what I'm trying to say is you need to build that Bajo Quinto, man. Because oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that brand loyalty is insane, man. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I did kind of like the pickup. That you pointed out that the bajo quinto folks like the it was a sound hole pickup. <clears throat> it yeah. Re, it reminded me of the sunrise pickup, which I always kind of liked too.
1: Yeah, bajo quintos with a piezo, nobody will touch them. It has to have a pickup. Good. It has to have a pickup. All
0: right, well we're off to a good start.
1: Yeah, man. And, and then,
0: does anyone play with the fingers? A bajo quinto? Yeah.
1: No. And actually, like the bajo quinto is like. A new version of the traditional because it used to be a bajo sexto yeah which that had 12 strings right and then whenever
0: was it tuned the same way as a guitar
1: you know honestly i don't know but see like the purpose of the bajo sexto the 12 string version was to play acoustically without an amp and so that kind of threw out the bass guitar.
0: Did they ever use a, a archtop version of that? Mm, yeah. Because an archtop would lend itself really good to that style, I think, mm-hmm. uh, acoustically.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, it. what it was, it was literally like just a guitar and a bass mixed together. Yeah. Because those top three strings were, I mean, they were bass gauge there that's that's what they were for they were to play the bass note. a lot of them like to use uh so they'll get like a pasai bajo quinto or whatever but a lot of them really like that uh martin uh wooden pickup oh yeah i don't know what what if i was going to build one like a flat top is. i'd
0: probably try to build it more like a martin like a like a bluegrass style something that you know made for being driven with a pick
1: yeah, those aren't meant to be used with a pick, the Martin ones. No,
0: they are. Oh. So I would like I would I would kinda lean towards that style of building for a, a flat top bajo quinto.
1: Yeah. And like I think ever since the brand Pesai started making their, their 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 bajo quintos the way they do, uh huh, like I think their approach was was done the right way. Okay. Because see like I remember back in the day Whenever a Norteño group, you know, their bajo quinto or bajo sexto player, it's like it was either handmade by some guy they knew, or you know, there's, the brands weren't really a thing with those yet. Yeah, and they 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 literally only sounded good or actually got a sound out of them if they were plugged into an amp. And see, Pasai made it to where like they sound beautiful just played acoustically. Yeah, so I think in turn. That instrument is just going to sound that much better when you plug it in, you know? And and, and yeah, I mean, they they just blew up. Those damn things sell for like five grand. Wow. Yeah, dude. That's
0: cool, man. Man, well, it it has been an hour, sir. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for recording with me today.
1: No, thank you for having me, dude. This is, like I said. This is the first
0: podcast I've recorded face-to-face with somebody. Really? Yeah, they've all been through like Skype and stuff most of my connections in the luthier world are, you know through online friendships and
1: stuff hey well look that maybe we'll have to do this more often i'm just down the road yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and we'll we'll be uh working on the project more and just recording stuff and and seeing what comes of it it's gonna be awesome man i'm excited
1: me too man and again thanks for having me and definitely won't be the last or hopefully
0: yeah it won't be (laughs) all right man (laughs) see you buddy
1: peace